You're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. This is the Versus Machine Podcast, a comparison of great things. The Versus Machine takes on two works of art, one source material and one adaptation, and processes it through to discover the differences and similarities of the two. Whether those differences are good or bad is up to you. After all, it's what happens when you transform one medium into another. It's time to engage the Versus Machine. And this is The Versus Machine. Hi, I'm Joseph Burge. And I'm Richard Gibson. And welcome to another exciting adventure of The Versus Machine, where we take one adaptation and one source material and run it through the machine to compare the differences and the similarities. Today, our topic is The Giver, the 1993 book by Lois Lowry, versus The Giver, the 2014 movie. There are a lot of books in a lot of different curriculums, and last season we did a lot of different books from schools. This season, we kind of want to take it into a different realm, a realm of books you might have read in school but might not have, but books that you should be reading in school. The Giver was one that we necessarily didn't think of the book, but we thought of the movie when we saw that it was coming out. I mean, Richard mentioned it to me, and I thought about it, and we went back and looked at the synopsis of the book because The Giver's not actually a teen book at all. It's actually a book that... When we asked someone that was still in school, they said they read it at about a fourth grade level. So it's fourth graders through sixth graders are actually the ones reading The Giver. So it's far beneath our level that we usually process things through here at the Versus Machine. But nonetheless, it's a book that Richard and I both felt is a classic and both felt that is going to be a very interesting Versus Machine episode. So without ado, it's The Giver, the 1993 book versus The Giver the 2014 movie main characters jonas in the book jonas is thoughtful curious and brave in the movie jonas is thoughtful impulsive and less altruistic in the book jonas is just a very likable character he's he's so thoughtful about everything like everything that comes up he'll spend quite a bit of time analyzing it sometimes he does act rather quickly but then he'll think about it and be like, oh, I guess maybe that wasn't the best idea. There are several times he'll say something to the giver. like He'll be real strong about it. He'll be like, well, that's wrong. They should change it. The giver's like, uh-huh. And Jonas like, right, okay, I guess that's not really going to happen anytime soon. And he, and he cools off and he, you know, and he processes his thoughts a little bit more. But he's always you know, looking for why are things this way? You know, shouldn't they maybe be different? What does this mean? How does all this stuff connect? And through all the pain that's given to him by the giver through those memories, he pushes on through it even though he doesn't want to. Whereas in the movie, Jonas is thoughtful, he thinks a lot, and he has a lot of different ideas. But the problem is that in the movie, he is less altruistic. He seems to do things impulsively. He does them just because he wants to find out what happens, not because there's any real meaning behind it. And even though near the end, he still makes the same decision, which is to release the memories to the community, it seems like he does so at kind of just like, I want to see what happens, and I think everybody should see what I see, and less of a, I want to save my community. There's a certain disconnect, especially between the book and the movie, 
and Jonas is a prime example of the disconnect. Jonas is this kind of thoughtful small child in the book, but in the movie he's an 18-year-old kid who's really coming into his own, and the disconnect really isn't, in that sense, good or bad. It's just different, and it sets a different tone, but where the disconnect becomes bad is where Jonas is not a character you can sympathize with in the movie at all. He's kind of yeah, just... nowhere near as much. He's kind of just there, and he's the main character, and you're supposed to like him because he's the main character. It doesn't work as well, and it doesn't fit the tone of the story nearly as well in the movie as it does in the book. The Giver. In the book, The Giver is weary yet wise. In the movie, The Giver is unstable and has an agenda. On the cover of my book, I've got a... Just a picture of just this old guy with a massive beard just kind of like thoughtfully looking off into the distance. On the cover of my book, I have two hands, one holding snow and the other one giving snow. Yeah, that that's really a much more uh, artistic interpretation of what happens in the book. You don't like the old man? I mean, the, the old man on the cover is kind of what you expect the giver to be, just this old guy who just is, he's at the ceremony of 12, but he doesn't really do anything he's just kind of sitting there i don't think he even claps at the quote appropriate times or whatever he's just kind of there and no one really knows what's (laughs) who is this guy he's not is he one of the elders or something and then jonas finds out and he is this guy who just knows everything somehow has all the memories of everything they have weighed him down he has all the good memories but he also has all the bad memories of war and famine and just stupid warfare and that's just made him tired having to have these and have to use them to advise the community. But he does advise the community, and he does um, he does a very good job of that. Two examples of when he advises the community were given in the book. I don't think we are in the movie, but in any case, in the book, he advises them against shooting down the plane that flies over them. Uh, at the very start of the book, Jonas had, recalls time when a plane flew over them when it wasn't supposed to, and it was real... You know, everyone got real nervous about it. And the giver said, no, don't shoot it down. That's stupid. And let's just wait. There might not actually be any problem. And it turns out that was right. And the other time, he advises against increasing the population so that there isn't any sort of a food problem. He he does know what he's talking about. He does have wisdom. But even in spite of his wisdom, he's just so tired he just with everything he has to deal with. In both cases, in the the movie and the book, the giver is shown to be a kind of weary character where the memories have worn him down and he's become very tired over time. In the movie, however, he's very unstable. It seems more like the memories have driven the giver insane. And again, I don't know if I'd go quite that far. Along with the death of his daughter, he's kind of become unhinged is what it seems like. And there's not a whole lot of methodology to the way that the giver deals with Jonas in the movie. There's not a whole lot of reason behind it. It's just kind of, this is the way I deal with Jonas. And I'm going to show Jonas memories. And then suddenly we're going to develop a plan to give all the memories back. Only in the book, that's what it seems like, is they suddenly develop a plan. In the movie, it seems like he's had the plan from the very beginning. He always seems like he knows what he wants to do. To me, it seemed that he chose Jonas for the simple fact that 
he knew Jonas would go along with his plan. The movie references that him and Rosemary had a similar plan before Rosemary asked to be released. And in general, there was a map of the area so that Jonas knew where to go already made. The giver seems yeah, that to seemed really already random. know what he wants to do before Jonas ever sets foot in his house. Why is this important? Because it gives the giver less of this likability. When you already have an agenda laid out, it's very hard for me to trust you as a character because you already know what you want to do before anything. There is no real development of the giver in either either the book or the movie he just is he exists he happens he gives memories and then he tells jonas to give the memories back to the people but where richard and i seem to disagree sometimes <laughs> is i believe the giver is unhinged almost completely in the movie the giver is played by jeff bridges a very powerful and a very good actor for many many years but i feel like he's become completely unhinged over time. I feel that's the way that Jeff Bridges played the part where the giver is just this not necessarily horrible person, but a person who no longer wishes to do the job that he's been assigned. Well, I mean, you've been saying that the giver from the start had a plan. His plan was to try and help the community become more whole and complete. Is that such a bad thing? You kind of have it's this not tone as if it is. It's not necessarily that it's a bad thing. It's, And we kind of talked about this right after we saw the movie. I felt like the giver's plan originally was altruistic. His plan sure. was, I'm going to give the memories back to the people because that's what seems right, and Rosemary's going to help me, and that's how we're going to do it. And then Rosemary asked to be released and essentially killing herself. Yeah. And then by the time that we see the giver with Jonas, where the story starts, I feel like the giver has become completely unhinged. I feel like we can't judge his state of mind anymore. He's completely crazy in the movie. hes It's very telling in the very end where they don't really have a plan to me. It seems like they have like a half-assed plan that turns into chaos very quickly when Jonas punches Asher in the face then makes out with Fiona and the nurturing then he drives the motorcycle <laughs> off the cliff everything turns really yeah. chaotic really fast and whereas when you read the book the giver feels like he has a handle on things in the movie it feels like the giver is so scatterbrained that he doesn't have a handle on anything and it's because of that that I think you can't call him altruistic because you can't call someone altruistic who doesn't have an idea what altruism is anymore it's the same thing with earlier we talked about watchmen rorschach could be considered altruistic in a certain sense because what is he doing he's killing bad people sure. it's the same thing with dexter which is another podcast here on two guys talking it's the idea that you can kill bad people that's not necessarily altruistic because you're still killing bad people. It's almost a psychosis, if anything else. But to a certain extent, you're still fulfilling a good goal. And I feel that's the way that I think of the giver. I think of the giver in the sense in the movie that he's lost his mind, so he's doing something good, but he doesn't really have a good reason for doing it anymore. His reasoning is just, I feel like in the end of the thing he said, Rosemary dies then I don't want to feel pain anymore. So if I release pain to everyone else, then I have someone to talk to. But that's where we ask you. What do you think? Yeah, do you think the giver was just, in the movie, was just a little unhinged, or do you think he was really crazy? Because Joey and I disagree here about that. And do you think that the giver in the book seems more down to earth? 
Or do you think that both givers seem exactly the same? Let us know by heading over to versusmachine.com and clicking the contact button in any one of our posts and letting us know what you think. Supporting characters. Fiona. In the book, Fiona is Jonas's lovely female friend. In the movie, Fiona is Jonas's love interest and a catalyst for his actions. In the book, really, the majority of these supporting characters that we're going to talk about, they have distinct personalities in the book. They're all very different. I wouldn't agree with that. Okay, well, we'll get to that then. <laughs> I would say that sameness makes them all seem like the same exact person. Interesting. Okay, well, we will get to that when we talk about sameness later on then. Remind me of that, because now I'm quite interested. Anyway, so I, th- I think in the book they're all, they're all different characters. They all have their own roles in society, but at least as far as Jonas's life goes, to a large extent, they're all just a way for him to relate to the reader how Jonas's learning affects him and how it changes him and how it affects um, his outlook on life. He likes Fiona quite a bit, but since he's only like 12, he doesn't exactly have notions of romance, which the age difference in the movie can really kind of answer why they <laughs> why that love interest exists. In but the mo- I mean in the, in the book he clearly has those feelings, so it's not like they just kind of hey, we this this movie needs some love, so here's Fiona. So I, I at least appreciated that it was natural, but she's really not terribly important in the book it's a really big difference between the movie and the book Mm -hmm. these supporting characters in the book are hardly existent they exist for about the first two-thirds of the book and then the last third of the book you see hardly any of them if any of them at all yeah i mean they'll be mentioned like um Jonah says, like, well, Fiona wouldn't release someone if release means killing them because she likes them. She wouldn't do that. And the giver's like, well, no, she's actually pretty good at it. But that's that's about it. There is a certain kind of emotional disconnect between the two, I feel like, by adding so much more into these characters and forcing these character traits that don't really seem to fit. In the movie, we've added a love interest. Uh, Just strangling, Jonas falls in love with Fiona. They make out twice in the movie. Hey, they only kiss in that little triangle oh, garden. Oh, yeah. Thing. And, the, and then they kiss, kiss in the nurturing center. That one, okay, might be making out. It was close. But, uh, she understood what it was at that point. Somehow. It seems more like Fiona is this catalyst for Jonas's actions. Fiona is the reason he wants to give all these emotions back because he wants to yeah. be in love with Fiona. He wants to pick his own wife. He wants to do all these things with Fiona <laughs> that he sees in the memories that the giver gives him. Right. So much so to the fact that, foolishly, he tells Fiona to not take her pill in the book injection in the movie that suppresses her emotions. And that's a really important point that we kind of didn't get to with Jonas's. One of the big (laughs) things that we want to relate to people is there's this pill slash injection in the book and the movie that suppress your emotions. What you do is you take the pill... And you don't have any emotions. You don't see colors. You don't really think about anything. You seem like a mindless automaton. But in the movie, Jonas convinces Fiona not to take her injections. And the, and by not taking her injections, he almost gets her executed. 
And he almost... That was more than just that. Suddenly they fall in love, which doesn't really make sense when you think about it since they're two people that have never felt love before and I guess they latch onto each other because they don't have any other reason. (laughs) Uh, I, I don't really understand the whole coincidental they just happen to fall in love thing <laughs> when they don't take their pill for a day. I It, it all seems kind of forced and out of place, mm-hmm. and it makes Jonas feel less like you can relate to him. It makes Fiona feel less like you can relate to her. And in general, it makes the story just seem kind of vapid and uninteresting in the movie's version. It takes kind of a lot of the meat out of the story, in my opinion, by adding this forced love interest that doesn't really make sense. I don't know if I would say it, it doesn't make sense, but it, I mean, it is definitely, I'll definitely agree with you that it's unnecessary, but some of the other adaptations that we've seen, they've added things in that just like completely derailed the story, and I don't feel like this was quite like that at all. I, it was unnecessary, It's a little weird, but it didn't make- destroy anything. When you make the story about a love story instead of about well, it wasn't the freedom, just about that. It's, that's what it felt like. I don't know if I agree. I completely think that the story became a love story. That's what it became. The, it was a, it surrounded around the love that Fiona and Jonas felt to a great degree. And to a certain extent, I feel like it overpowered most of the other lessons that the story had to give you, such as the freedom of choice, because it became the freedom of love. And it was kind of a ridiculous statement because the fact that Lois Lowry left a love interest out of the book made me feel more like I could relate to the struggle of Jonas because he wasn't caught up in love. He wasn't caught up in lust. It wasn't about trying to get a girl. It was my people don't feel like they should feel and they can't feel the wondrous splendors of emotion and i want to give that back to them in the movie it's i want everyone to understand that love exists and i love fiona so i'm going to get emotions back i I don't agree (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it was just that at all i don't even think it was mostly that it's interesting that you feel this way and you haven't brought up how when uh, Jonas is you know struggling out in the desert, it's a desert now instead of whatever. But It wasn't really discussed what the terrain what was. What the terrain was in the book, right? And, and until he gets really to relevant. the snow. In, in the book, there's a mention of... He eats of, memories he... in the movie. <laughs> Remember, he doesn't bring any food with him. <laughs> he true. survives on memories. <laughs> memories and in of the, the food. And in the, and in the book... He brings food. He also foraged. And maybe caught a squirrel. I don't remember. At least tried to. Regardless. Regardless, what I was getting at was there is a line in the book that Jonas didn't even care about himself anymore. He was only focused on keeping Gabriel alive. And they kind of turned that in the movie where Jonas used the memories to keep Gabriel going and Jonas used his memories of Fiona to keep him going. You remember that? Because I kind of. I remember that. Okay. It still supports my theory that, I, that's what that I'm it saying. turned into that, a love that's story. What I'm saying. As much as you had the theory, I was kind of expecting you to throw that out there. But well, I didn't want to be that obvious. <laughs> but we want to know what you think. Do you think the movie is just a love story? Do you think it's more than that? Do you think I'm right or do you think Richard's right? Head over to Facebook.com slash Machine and let us know what you think. 
Asher. In the book, Asher is Jonas's best friend. In the movie, Asher is a harsh robot, the epitome of the community. And although Asher is Jonas's best friend, we don't really see him. Not not once he starts his training with the Giver. Fiona and Asher are really just present in the first half of the book to establish Jonas's identity and to help establish the community. And so then later in the book, we can refer back to them, and it's like, this is what Asher's doing now, and this is how we now see how weird it is. But that's really about it. Jonas tries to reconnect with Asher later on, but is deterred from that when the kids are playing, you know, just a uh, pretend war game, and Jonas is like, you guys don't have any idea what you're actually doing. And Asher really takes kind of a big offense to that. It, again, shows Jonas's isolation. So... The fact that Fiona and Asher aren't as present in the book helps to show that the the way Jonas is growing is is uh, separating him from the rest of the community is making him very isolated. Whereas in the Something movie, very different in the movie. <laughs> whereas in the movie, it's why are you out after dark, Jonas? That was such a weird. It's scene. against the rules, it's Jonas. It's against the rules, Jonas. Give like, me a so hug, Jonas. It was really we can't strange. touch because we're not family, Jonas. Uh-huh. Why are you riding down the giant metal railing on some dinner trays, Jonas? Why did the giant metal railing exist? Why were there dinner trays on the giant metal? Anyway, he's a very big robot in the movie, and. <laughs> To a certain extent, you see why, because there, there's not as much introspection in the movie as there is in the book. So Jonas can't expand on the idea that community exists, the community is real, everybody's okay with the community. It's much harder to give that kind of sense in the movie where there's no introspection, where he can't just outright say it in his head. So they try to show it by making Asher go from being this cool person to turning into a robot who follows the community's rules indefinitely. Right. And not only do they do that, but they add more drama by doing it so that he can have a fight with Asher when he's trying to run away, Uh and then Asher reports him to the chief elder, and then... Asher almost captures him, but then doesn't? It's it's all kind of weird that they added these extra points for drama to this really ridiculous story that they kind of concocted. It made sense when they first started, and then about halfway through the movie, we got to everybody just doing things that didn't make any sense anymore, and it only detracted from the idea of the book. Gabriel. In the book, Gabriel is an accelerant. In the movie, Gabriel is a reason. Gabriel is a um, uncertain new child whom Jonas's dad brings home to try and give give him extra nurturing so he doesn't have to be released. And Jonas and Gabriel, they both have these light-colored eyes, which I guess means that they're prime candidates for the giver. That's not really explained too much, except that Jonas, Gabriel, and some other like six-year-old girl all have those light-colored eyes, but that's really it. Jonas and Gabriel really, they connect. Jonas gives memories to Gabriel to calm him. It's never really stated why Gabriel is so fussy. They almost seem to imply that it's because Gabriel can tell something's not right or something, but that's not really explained. When Jonas and the Giver get their plan to try and fix the community, they get this long plan, you know. It's, it <laughs> kind of devolves into, I'll tell 
your parents that that you're at my house and you tell your parents that I'm at, like we're just not going to tell anybody where you are so you can get really far away. And then that all breaks down as soon as Jonas realizes that Gabriel's going to be released. So Gabriel just accelerates the plan about a day or so and slightly throws it into disarray. But there's a really good reason for it. It's like, I don't want this kid to get killed for no good reason, simply because he's a little fussy at night. Like, what's the big deal? In the movie, he turns into kind of like a reason why... Jonas does what he does. It turns into Jonas goes to the nurturing center to rescue Gabe and then steals a motorcycle and drives <laughs> it off the cliff. I'm going to keep referencing the the absurdity of the escape because it was it was absurd. Well, it, right. It I was mean, absurdly yeah. dramatic. In, in the book, All it's... of the things that happened after <laughs> Jonas punched Asher was absurdly dramatic. Well, even before that a little bit. In the book, as soon as we realize that Gabriel's going to be released, it's just oh, crap, we need to do this right now. But, okay, it'll still work. I guess that's all right. And in the movie, it's just everything after that point kind of quits making sense. <laughs> really everything, but we'll we'll get into that later. Gabriel is this boy that Jonas comes to love, yeah. but his love for Gabriel is so much stranger in the movie than it is in the book. It's this love that he, I guess... I guess we're supposed to take it as it's his little brother, so he begins to care for him. But in the book, it makes a lot more sense than it does in the movie because in the book, over time, you see the growth of the relationship between Gabe and Jonas. In the movie, it happens in 10 seconds, and it feels really forced, and it's really hard to identify with it. And it's really hard to even understand why Jonas takes Gabriel other than they're going to release him and he needs I'd rather to not stop have one more yeah, kid die yeah yeah he needs to stop that it, yeah it really doesn't Gabe seems less special in the movie it just doesn't seem all that poetic or <laughs> you know forceful in the movie and it really takes something away it really takes away this emotional aspect that the book has that the movie is really lacking and there's something to be said for the emotional aspect that they took out. Yeah, since there was more time spent on Asher and Fiona and sledding down random arches in the middle of the city, less time could be spent on developing the relationship between Jonas and Gabe. So, yes, when Jonas is like, well, I have to take Gabe with me, it does make less sense than it does in the book. In the book, it's like, Gabe's basically my best friend and, like, the only one who really, like, understands the past because I've been sharing memories with him. So there's much more of a reason to take him. Also, the fact that there's not more infanticide. <laughs> There's a couple of reasons. Jonas's family. In the book, Jonas's family is a sounding board. In the movie, they are an example of the conformity. And we're using Jonas's family as one point here because, again, as I said before, I think that they're fairly distinct characters in the book, but it largely doesn't matter. Because they're just there when Jonas says, do you love me? They're like, precision of language, Jonas. And, you know, just stuff like that. So what I mean by astounding board, Jonas has his things that he projects and they just resonate something back to him. And it just shows him, again, how isolated he is from the community because of what he's learned about how life really should be. In the movie, they are this kind of harsh 
His mother especially. Oh, yeah. Played by Katie Holmes. You feel almost the entire movie that she's going to punch Jonas in the face. Well, she might just punch everyone, including I, his dad. It just She just seems mean and nasty. Yeah. Not to mention the jobs that they list for their his parents in the book. I don't think they had the same jobs in them or his mom. Uh, I think what, yeah, what she was, was Department of Justice something. In the book, she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, and scratch. Yeah, that, that they mind. make that same. They make that joke about. Oh, you know his name. You're not supposed to know his name. Well, what are you gonna do? Write me up? And in the book, it sounds like a joke. His dad's just like, "Oh, you won't write me up because you know why I'm doing this." And in the movie, he's like, "What are you gonna write me up, jerk? I dare you to." It's it takes a very different tone. It's all very harsh and yeah it's used to to show the deep programming of the community in the right, movie right again because we have a lack of introspection but it's just not done as well it makes jonas seem like a bad guy in certain aspects it makes his family seem like terrible people and <laughs> really just his mom it really just takes something away in the book you pity people in the movie, yeah, you kind of hate true. them all. Yeah, in in the book, when we realize when Jonas learns what release is and what his dad does on a daily basis, Jonas gets really mad at him, and we can sympathize with that. But we also know that what the giver says, they don't know any different. You can't really hate him because he doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah, that's a little hard to believe because you'd think once the baby quits twitching that, oh, it's probably dead. But, but they somehow don't, they don't they realize don't, they that don't because, have an idea of death, right? Because in their it's society, just because even when the, even when yeah. people even when people get too old to live anymore, they just walk down a hallway into a room and and they're never heard from again, right? And get released, yeah. So it's right. So in the in the book, we we pity them, but it's kind of hard to pity someone like Jonas's mom in the movie who's so harsh. And such, you know, always cracking the whip, like, oh, you can't know his name to try and nurture him better because it's against the rules. Just stupid things like that. The only exception that I have is I feel like the Lily in the movie added something that the Lily in the book didn't. I feel like the Lily in the book is very one-dimensional. She exists. And Lily is his sister. Right. Lily is Jonas's sister. uh, She's She's very... She's eight. Yeah. yeah, she turns. Well, eight. she's year eight. They don't. They don't really describe well, whether yeah. eight means that you're actually eight years old or eight means that. Well, you could be. You're just in eight, eight years of school. Yeah, it's more the schooling than anything else. But uh, anyway, they they turn her kind of one dimensional in the book, whereas in the movie she has a poignant line after Jonas runs away that I will always remember Jonas, and then talks about the how the elephant is a real thing because she heard. Jonas say that to Gabe and I just feel like the movie added a dimension to her character that the book did not and the only reason I feel that it's a good thing is because there was so much else lacking in the movie as far as emotion that to add that little piece of emotion in there did add something to the movie so was it really just though that one or two lines or was it more than that because it was she didn't her over more presence it was, it was over her book. overall demeanor hmm. i felt like had a more of an impact in the movie than it did in the book and like i said it wouldn't be a big issue except for they had left so much else out that you needed that little bit of relatability emotionality 
to keep you hooked through the rest of the movie. But what do you think? Are there any characters we missed? Like the uh, chief elder, who was and that was only really in, about it. Only in the movie and not in the book. Like yeah, at she was all. in the book a little bit. She was in the book for like ten seconds. And there's still that that other light-eyed girl whose name I can't remember. That was really it. There were there was a shockingly small amount of characters in this book. Except for random people in the community. But uh, right. Unnamed or otherwise unimportant people. We want to know what you think. Should Head we have to... talked about them anyway? <laughs> yeah. Head over to versusmachine.com and contact us there and let us know what you think. Introspection. As we talked about with The Fault in Our Stars, it is kind of hard to do introspection in a movie. There are several powerful and successful ways to do it we was slightly explored during the fault in our stars but we don't really get that at all in the giver um we don't really get it in most of the adaptations we've well seen. sure it's you know, it, it's just a difficult thing to do and it, it is hoped that the introspection can be brought out in the facial expressions and the acting and even the camera work sometimes if you have really good camera work and in some stories but i don't that, feel like it happened a lot here in some stories that's true Jurassic Park is a movie that I feel takes a lot of the introspection of the book and displays it as dialogue. And I never remember that was a book. And some in some of the characters, but especially here with the Giver, I feel like we've lost something here. Jonas is this thoughtful boy that has a lot of thoughts about society and about about the way the way everything works. (laughs) And even the memories, he dissects them as the giver gives them to him. Yeah, that's true. In the movie, it feels like there's a thought process, but we don't know what it is. And it's really more just impulsive than anything else. And it's very hard to relate to the story when you take out that introspection. But what do we really lose from that? Emotion. Okay. You lose emotion when you lose introspection. You okay. can't understand somebody's emotion unless they tell you. And in a lot of cases, dialogue that's made up of introspection doesn't work because you can't tell dialogue someone. Dialogue in movies. Yeah, you sure. can't tell someone, I'm thinking that <laughs> I I like apples because they're going to look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> and the people watching the movie are going to look at you like you're crazy. It's just like a good example in The Giver. They sit around the dinner table and say, I felt sad today. Try that with your family. <laughs> Let us know how it happens. <laughs> Let us know at versusmachine.com. Let us know what, how that goes. Look your parents square in the eye and say, I felt sad today. You're going to feel really weird. But is and that just because, it, is that because it is weird or is that because we don't do it? No, it's weird. We're, we're going to bring this back up. It's we talk, no, we're, it's weird. We're going to bring this back up when we talk about sameness. I'm just saying it's All right. weird. All right. <laughs> But you can't take out someone's thought process and expect us to understand them as a person. Unless they can act really well. Unless we can see it in their face. I'm just saying, in general, sure. the, the, they didn't even put it in through dialogue in the movie. They just took it out. And when you take out somebody's thought process, you can't really understand their actions. And because we can't understand Jonas's actions, the books or the movie seems like a topsy-turvy... Not even a thrill ride. It just seems like chaos. The movie is chaos. If you watch the movie, especially after that, especially after the point where he tries to run away, the movie becomes chaos really quickly. Yeah, and kinda. it's kind of ridiculous chaos. <laughs> the way that we normally um, 
do things on the versus machine, we will experience the original the original source and then the adaptation. One of the disadvantages I think this gives us is that we don't know the perspective of someone who has never read the book and is just seeing the movie. A lot of the introspection is lost, but I think someone who's read the book can just kind of fill it in because they already know what Jonas is thinking because they already know who he is. But So I'm curious about the perspective of someone who has not read the book but has seen the movie. But I, I've told you time and time again, it is a failure if you need another source oh, sure. to fill in the blanks for your source. Just like if, I, you create a you. Se- if you create a sequel to a movie and you need the original movie to make the sequel work, why? That that's a ridiculous that's a ridiculous mm. statement. Everything needs to sit on its own. When I went to, when I go to see the giver of the movie, I want to be able to sit there and say I understand the movie without having to read the book. Oh sure, and I think that should be there. But I'm just kind of one. I just want to hear. Right, here's another call to the audience. I want to hear from someone who did not read the book and saw the movie. I want to know. Do you think the um, do you think that there was a loss of introspection? Do you think that it was hard to understand what the characters were thinking because they didn't act it well enough or didn't tell us? We want to hear from you. Let us know at facebook.com slash versus machine. Write on our wall. Send us a message. Let us know. Intelligence versus instability. We've kind of hinted at this a little bit already, but the book is very cohesive. Um... There are a lot of complaints about the very open-ended ending, um, but that I was probably answered in the sequels, which I have not read, but will read. Um, and also, I think there are other artistic reasons for that, which we will get to, maybe now, maybe later. But um, the book's very cohesive. It It's very concise. It's really quite short. And it, it doesn't do anything extraneous, whereas the movie... It's a completely different thing altogether. The movie is a chaotic, just chaos. Yeah, as, as we said, I, right? I, Gabe or Jonas realizes Gabe's going to be released. At that point, everything kind of goes downhill I, real fast. As a reader, as a film critic, as as a person, <laughs> I watch that movie and I just human. feel like there is so much chaos going on that I just don't. I just don't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> get behind it i can't get behind it because we lose all of the heart of the book in just the insanity of everything and there's no there really there literally is no better example than the giver in the book the giver is intelligent he is oh the giver character gotcha he's concise yeah he the the story is intelligent, concise. It tells you where it wants you to go. It fills in the blanks for you. It tells you everything you need to know. Actually, there I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think the book does that very much at all. The movie does, and way too much. The book lets you come to your own conclusions, especially with the ending. No, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about the reason behind why people are doing what they're doing. The introspection gives you an idea of why things are happening. And why okay. why different people feel different ways? The preciseness of language. Okay, the movie, so it fills in the blanks yeah, of the, the movie. The movie leaves the like barely explains the rules at the beginning of the at the beginning of the movie. And I I spoke no. to you know my wife Heaven about this after because she's never read the book but she watched right. the movie. Yeah. And after the movie, I asked her and she said I didn't really feel like I understood the rules of the community at all 
from the 10 seconds that they focused on it. And that's yeah. that's really the that's really where where I'm going. There was so much drama in the movie yeah. that everything else felt like chaos or just absent and forgotten. It just we focus so much on well, Jonas is in love with Fiona and Jonas likes memories and Jonas has a baby that he thinks is cool. Jonas likes what? And Jonas thinks that uh Asher and him are best friends, and Asher becomes a robot, and then he punches Asher in the face. Can't have a robot. This best is this is exactly how I felt watching the movie. I felt like you could just say "and then" and describe every attribute of the movie, and it would just make sense somehow. So because it was just like a five year old telling you. A yeah, story? it was like a five year old. This happened, and then this happened. And no, then that, yeah. no, literally, this the book felt like an adult was telling me a story. Oh yeah. And the movie felt like a five year old told me the story. I felt like Fair a five year old was telling me what happened in the book. <laughs> If a five-year-old wrote your script, filmmakers, please, for the love of God, stop letting the five-year-old write your <laughs> write your stories. Because that's no, I'm I'm serious. That's I'm not disagreeing felt. with you. It's that's just funny the way felt. you say it. It felt it felt sure. like a five-year-old told me the story of the book. <laughs> because the five-year-old's going to add in a love story. The five-year-old's going <laughs> to no, add in that. Yeah, they okay. will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> The five-year-old's going to add in all this drama to make the story seem cool, and then people uh, chasing you with guns, and then there was the drone pilots and everything else. The five-year-old's going to add in. You know some weird five-year-olds, uh, Well, you know what? The five-year-old's going to add in all of this different all of this different drama to make the story sound cooler, and then the adult tells you the story, and it tells you exactly what you want to know in the story and gives you a lesson. That's exactly how I feel about it. You also know some interesting adults, apparently. Maybe I'm the one that does. Who knows? Or less interesting, depending on how you look at it. We're going to take a break here on the <laughs> Time for a break. <laughs> we'll be right back. Doctor Who fan? Ready to hear the most recent Sonic Screwdriver-laden details when it comes to last week's episode? Be sure to check out twoguystalkingdoctorwho.com now and learn what millions of others are thinking about the good doctor. Engage the TARDIS now. Twoguystalkingdoctorwho.com That's twoguystalkingdoctorwho.com This is Paul's Tree Service. A person is calling through Relay, Missouri. This is Operator. Uh, thanks, but we're not interested. Who is that? Uh, just one of those annoying telemarketers. Wrong. You just hung up on a customer. One who wanted to spend money with your business. A customer who happens to be deaf, hard of hearing, or who has a speech disability. Calling you through Relay, Missouri. Relay Missouri is a free service that allows people who are deaf, hard of hearing, or who have a speech disability to communicate over the telephone with you and your business. Don't hang up. This could be new business. For more information on Relay Missouri, take a minute to log on to RelayMissouri.com and open the door to a whole new group of customers. Become part of a growing community that is silent but can speak volumes for your business. Relay Missouri brings the hearing and deaf, hard of hearing, and people with speech disabilities together at no charge with no sign-up and no monthly fee. Log on to RelayMissouri.com and find out how you can start communicating with these new customers today. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Unlike TV or radio ads where every instance the ads are broadcast, they're only played once and lost forever. 
perpetual advertising could have repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, and even years after they're inserted in a podcast. So even if a podcast is a few years old, your ads will still be impactful to repeat listeners as well as new listeners. This gives your advertising dollar the most bang for the buck. Find out more about perpetual advertising at twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Mustangs, Camaros, F-150s, Silverados, and Batmobiles. Oh my. Cars aren't just for transportation. They transport us, like time machines, to times in our lives and to the jobs, games, and places that we all call life. Check out twoguystalkingcars.com and experience the stories and details about the cars, trucks, and vehicles inside television and feature films. Get your motor running with twoguystalkingcars.com. That's twoguystalkingcars.com. Don't miss the hour-by-hour review of The Ultimate Fighter from Two Guys Talking MMA. The fights, the detailed breakdowns and education, real dual impact. Only from Two Guys Talking MMA. (laughs) TwoGuysTalkingMMA.com And we're back here on the Versus Machine Podcast. I'm Joseph Burge. I'm Richard Gibson. And today we're doing The Giver. Well, let's hit right back into it. The movie's climax. Let's see. Would this be the third time that we've mentioned it since? In the movie, Jonas realizes Gabe's going to be released. Everything goes downhill really quickly. I think it's the third time we've mentioned it. It's We've mentioned it a lot. A lot of things because in it's this... Just a lot of Hard things in do. this comparison is circular, and we've mentioned a lot of times. And the reason why is because there's there the things that are wrong with this movie are very poignant, and <laughs> they're really very wrong. they're very noticeable. You know, there's some movies we watch where the things that are wrong feel wrong, but not yeah, it's not terribly wrong. Right. And then there are there's this where the things that feel wrong feel really wrong. Right. And one of the things that feel really wrong about this, and it all fits into the movie's climax, is the passage of time in the movie is, like, non-existent. Right. I think they, they mentioned in passing once that three or four months Jonas Jonas mentions vaguely in passing that three months have passed since it's he started okay. training with the giver. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's over a year. It's actually, like, exactly a full year because it goes from December to December. Yeah. We don't and know the so, day, but it's... And so the idea of... This passage of time in the book, I feel like we had a passage of time. I feel like he trained with the giver for a year. He learned a lot of stuff. But in the movie, you feel like he trained with the giver for a week, decided to run away and ran away. And everything that happened after he after he decided to take Gabe happened in the span of 30 seconds. And it's more than okay in the movie. They tell us how much time has passed. Apparently it's been four months in the book. They tell us how much time has passed, but not just with one statement saying it's been a year. You know, it's not like one of the chapters starts 12 months later. We don't get any of that. We actually know how long it's been because we get a lot during that time as well. Like, we get frequent updates. We get frequent updates on how long it's been. And we see him go to the giver many times and we get, okay, he, we, he gave me these kinds of memories and there was all of this, there was all of that. He gave me more of this stuff, which, you know, we, we understand that a lot of time has passed. 
And we don't get that with the movie so much. We see him go to the giver maybe four times. And, okay, since we aren't told how much time has passed, it's kind of hard to grasp that things have changed so much. It's kind of hard to build any character development when right. you don't feel a lot of time has passed. And before we Especially get all the of the drastic before we changes. get all of the hate comments that say <laughs> it's a movie. You can't span a lot of time in a movie. Those Lord of the Rings movies were impossibly long and they felt like they took forever. So don't tell me you can't fit a lot of time into a movie. Go watch The Hobbit. They fit a lot of time into that movie. There are a lot of movies made from books where they fit large passages of time into the movie. They just didn't feel it was necessary here. They just kind of yeah. skimmed over it. It wasn't done very well. Which is It strange. didn't really make sense. Yeah, because we needed that depth. We needed to know how isolated Jonas had become, how much pain he had uh, felt, how much he had learned. We needed all of that to really to really get that character development, to really feel for him and, and to care. And this is no more apparent than it is in the movie's climax. Yeah which is a very sore spot between Richard and I. So to give you a play-by-play, another another podcast here on the Two Guys Talking Network is called The 24 Podcast, and it's based <laughs> You're on 24. You're going to do a 24 and 60? It literally, literally. Yes! I'm going to do, like tw- do like a 24 and 60 for do you it. at the end of the movie. Oh, yes. Jonas finds out that Gabe is going to be released or killed. Jonas decides to take Gabe, so then he runs out of his house. Then Asher asks like a robot. He punches Asher in the face. Don't He's, he do run- it, Jonas. He bikes to the nurturing center. He finds Fiona. He tells Fiona he loves her. Fiona says she loves him. Then they go find Gabe. He takes Gabe. The police people show up. I don't know why there's police people. There there, there's, any, no, there's, there's no, no crime. crime. What do you need police for? Why do you need police with taser clubs? Anyway, normal police so after they find taser, Gabe, he takes clubs? Gabe. Then he finds what? the motorcycle. He attaches Gabe to the back of the motorcycle. He takes off on the motorcycle. He drives, 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 drives. He gets chased they, by cops with taser clubs. Yeah. And he then drives he goes, up to the givers. And, the, and then he drives over the cliff on the givers and drives into the sunset. Then he's riding, no, riding, he riding, riding. No, he drives off a cliff into mist. It's way worse. You're like, wait, he's going to die. Oh, it's only 30 feet. How did it the bike not like get destroyed? On, it actually kind of feels like they're on clouds in the in the movie, but that's beside the point. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so going. then he dri- drives over the cliff. He drives, drives. Drive, drive, drive through the desert. Then he, then he's lost. So he gets out of the desert, and then he finds out that the giver tells him that he can get all of the awesome memories to keep him alive because God knows we don't need food. So he lives on <laughs> memories with Gabe, and then he he turns, 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 finds snow. He gets on the sled. He's no, you forgot the about the part about Asher picking him up. Oh yeah, Asher picks him up with a with a drone pilot. He becomes a drone pilot. Then he drives over. He finds him. He picks him up. He drops him in the river, and then he swim, 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 swim. Then he finds snow. He gets on the sled. He drives down the sled. He finds the house where Christmas is happening. He goes in the house where Christmas is happening. And everything is awesome. Literally. Literally. That is the end of the movie. But you forgot about all the stuff with Fiona. That is how the end of the movie feels. Really it rapid fire and crazy. feels like there is so much chaos happening you can possibly remember or comprehend anything that happens after Jonas decides to steal Gabe. Seriously, you cannot comprehend anything that happens after that point in the movie. I dare you. Go watch the movie and let me know if you can comprehend it because you can't. You cannot remember it all or comprehend it. It happens all in the blink of an eye. The quick. passage of time is so terrible in the movie's climax, you do not feel that anything took any time at all. There are a couple points in the movie's climax that don't make sense. Number one, why are there police officers? With if you taser have, clubs. If you have no crime, what do you need weapons and police officers taser for? Taser clubs. Even in the book... And the movie, they both say, "Oh yeah, 
there's, there's no crime. Virtually no crime. There's virtually no people break the rules. Yeah, but, but mostly they do something they're stupid like imprecise, like imprecise use of language. It's or not they like pour, an or they take crime. food home, and then there's a right. there, there's an announcement over the loudspeaker. Don't take and food jo- home. And Jonas says that yeah. everyone feels so bad about the announcement that they don't really need punishment. Right. So what do you need police officers for? We That's the first question. clubs. Why do you, also, I don't understand, and this is in the book and the movie, but it's not really expanded on the book. Why did they need pilots? What were they doing with the plane? It right. was never explained no, what they were doing with the planes in the book or the movie. No. I don't really understand. But in the movie, they make such more of a big deal about it that it's kind of blatant where you're like, why do they need planes? No, they, they there's always the drones hovering around and spying on you and being super creepy in the in the movie. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't really get it. Well, the, that's why there's Jonas the never, Jonas they, that's how they keep track of you. That's how but, they know but what not in the book. In the book Jonas well, says for, there's cameras everywhere. Does he? Yeah, he I was says, kinda curious about that. Yeah, in some point in the book he says that everyone's they're watching you all the time. So you're led to believe there's cameras everywhere. Or elders standing around everywhere, one of the two. Regardless, yeah. the idea is there's just so much packed into that climax, you can't really get the emotional aspects of it. And so when Jonas finally releases the memory at the end of the movie, it feels forced. It feels not genuine. And it just it doesn't work. And it hurts the idea. It hurts the heart of the story. And it's just terrible. <laughs> Something that I think is is often brought up with adaptations is, well, The Giver, the movie, it's its own movie. It doesn't have to be just like the book. All right, that's true, but there are certain parts of the movie that don't even add up in the movie itself. Again, the cops with taser clubs, but also at the end there's this whole long conversation of The Giver talking to... Uh, the chief elder. Yeah, I remember pointing that out to you. And they had there's that long like, conversation. There's like twelve other people in the room, and the only one who reacts to it at all is Jonas's mom. But the other weird thing is, why does the chief elder know any of these things? She isn't speaking of of pain and warfare and love and all this stuff that she hasn't experienced in the same way that she spoke of Jonas's ability to see beyond. She mentions that at, like, an arm's length. It's, well, we've been told that you have the ability to see beyond. I don't have any idea what that means, but I guess it's cool. In the climax, she doesn't speak of things that way. She speaks of them as if she knows, has personally felt warfare and loss and and that kind of thing. And there's no way that she could have. And they make a big deal about that in the book. The giver says, they don't want me to tell them about the pain. They just want me to tell them what to do to give them the advice and they might do it or might not. They don't want me to tell them why because they don't want to experience it because they can't, because they haven't, because they don't get any of this stuff. So it was really weird, that whole conversation. The climax of the of the movie was like kind of just spoon-feeding you the point. I mean, it was kind of a good argument. Like it was a really intense scene, but it still just didn't make any sense why it was happening at all. So here's this nice spoonful of themes and lessons when people Gulp. choose, they choose wrong. They choose wrong, which is a really good statement. But, you know, we'll get into that. Themes. Sameness. We haven't expanded on the idea of sameness very much yet. Because it's not in the movie, largely. We're not going to take too long to talk to you about this. 
But there are a couple of points with the idea of sameness that are really important for people to understand. One of the things that I want to mention is because we've recently had a lot of problems in St. Louis where mm-hmm. Two Guys Talking is located right. and where in Ferguson, we live. a nearby community. At Ferguson, a nearby community where if you don't know, Google it, you'll find out. There's a lot of stuff on it. <laughs> if you don't know, you probably don't live in the country. So the problem, the, the reason why we're relating this to sameness is things like that don't happen in Jonas's world. And they couldn't because everyone's the everyone's same. Everyone's the same. They're there the same. Everyone, everyone, there is one race. There is one nationality. There is one religion. There is well, there one school. One, really. There is one everything. Yeah. Everyone is the same. They don't see color. They don't have emotions. They don't do anything. The idea of sameness is you sit around the dinner table and say, today, Dad, I felt sad. I felt mad because some little boy broke the rules in the playground. There, There is no emotion in that world. And the reason why we're expanding on sameness is because sameness is not bad. The movie makes you see, think it's bad, but sameness is not bad. It's a worthy idea. It's just not executable. People are not the same. People are never going to be the same. People can't be the same. But it's worth mentioning that if people put aside all of their differences and tried to think of themselves the same most of the time, we'd be a lot better off. And that's where the appeal for the community is of sameness, where if we stopped thinking about our differences, we wouldn't have as many problems. So do you think the community in in either the book or the movie truly achieved sameness? In the movie... If they didn't have the chief elder and the giver, yes. In the book, it's simply just the giver. If they didn't have the giver, yes, they would have achieved sameness because people were largely unaffected by everything. They were Okay, what about the birth mothers? I don't think they knew anything. No, when at one point Lily says, I want to be a birth mother, and her mom, sa- and her mom chides her saying, don't say that. That job has no honor. But... In the same token, they say that job is no honor, but in the same token, there's not a war of the birth mothers. Right. But but they don't truly have I believe sameness. That, I believe that the, that the community described in this book is the closest thing to true communism that you will ever see. Yeah. It's a class system based on no emotions, and everyone is judged based on his or her own merits. And that's a terrible word to say communism because Americans hate the word communism, (laughs) but it's the closest thing to communism that you will ever have. Sameness, to me, means that they didn't have emotions and they didn't hate each other. They didn't necessarily want anyone to be a birth mother, but then again, Jonas's mom didn't run around finding birth mothers and slapping them in the face and calling them stupid. It's not exactly the same thing as having less honor. I don't know. Do you think that less honor makes you less same? Well, if I have 20 honor and you have 50 honor, we're not the same because you have more honor. But do you think that the class system in society makes them less same? In in the giver's society? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't believe they achieve sameness? Not exactly because it's impossible. Why? Because we're not the same. If Why we are were, we not the same? If we were all the same, then we'd all have to be chief elders, or we'd all have to be givers, or we'd all have to be birth mothers. And, well, there's a, f- a few problems with that. 
But what do you think? Did the community approach sameness? Did they reach sameness? Is sameness a good thing? Let us know by heading over to versusmachine.com and commenting on our page. Emotion. We kind of got into this with sameness, but at the same time, there's just a little bit more that we want to talk about when it comes to emotion. People in Jonas's society don't have emotions. They have the abstract idea of emotions. I told Richard this, and I fully stand behind this. The people in um, Jonas's society have more of a laboratory idea of what emotion is. Almost as if they had all had a social disorder and they were all, you know, mentally unstable together. They had the idea of emotions where there wasn't any. Well, I mean, the giver says that himself. They don't truly feel anything. We're the only ones who have actually who actually have feelings. If emotions didn't exist, yes, a lot of the negative emotions wouldn't exist. Sure. And but a lot the of positive the positive ones. ones wouldn't exist either. Right. But the and other that's, thing that's I, what happened in the community. We eradicate emotion. Well, we've lost the good and the bad. And one of the things that when you're talking about the book versus the movie is I never really felt like the people in the movie didn't have emotions. I right, felt I, mean, I felt more right like I had felt more like they were muted emotions, but not until Asher just looked at Jonas with a straight face and went, Why are you outside after dark, Jonas? It's, a, it's against the rules, Jonas. Did I ever feel that people in the community didn't have emotions? Whereas in the book I felt like nobody had any emotions. Yeah. I felt like it was literally just it would literally be if you and I just sat here and talked and we were li- and we talked about what the idea of emotions are. This is sad. Sad is when something bad happens and then you feel sad. That that's what I felt like in the book. In the movie I felt like everybody had emotions. They were just different. Because in the book, you saw Jonas, Fiona, and Asher playing, and they were running around and laughing. And they had special things together, like going into that weird triangle garden with the waterfall. And they were the only ones that went in there. I mean, all of those lend to the idea that there was some type of emotion in society. And so it invalidated this idea of no emotions. And in doing that, it really, for me, left a hole in the whole point of the story. Because if the point of the story is people should be able to choose what they want to choose, they already were. Right. They just didn't know they were. And they also just had weird rules that they had to follow and had, you know, so again, So again, the movie was more like a communist society than it was a sameness community. Right. Choice. Really, the only thing we have to say about choice, and back me up on this, is choice is important. You should have the right to choose right. who you worship, how you worship, where you go, who you go there with, and what you do with your life. As long as you're not hurting someone else, you should have the choice to do whatever you want. This book advocates two forms of life. Number one, a form of life without choice. A form of life when you're told what to wear, where to be, how to be there, and how to live, and a form of life where you're told you can choose. The phrase, when people choose, they choose wrong, is not wrong. A lot of the time when people choose, they choose wrong. Right. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't be allowed to choose. 
Is this a classic? Yeah, this was written in 1993, so this is only 21 years old. So it's Does that it's, qualify? It's newer than some of the other ones that we've done. Uh, I think it's newer than basically all the rest of them except the Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason why we asked this question is when preparing for this podcast, we went to a coffee shop together where we go sometimes, and we went to talk, and we were approached by somebody who was listening in on our conversation who told us that The Giver was the book that opened them up to literature. Yep. The Giver was the book that made them start wanting to read. I've had a lot of conversations with people about literature, and Richard has had a lot of conversations with people about literature, of course, because he works in a library. (laughs) It's very rare to have somebody come up to you and tell you, this book changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, You don't get a ton of that. Because it's hard to kind of like isolate, you know, isolate something like that. And he straight up told us this book changed my life. Yeah. This book was the reason I started to read. I can't go past a statement like that and think about the merits of this book and not call it a classic. So to you, it's a classic if it has power? Yeah. Yeah. If it has influential power, it it is a classic. So how many people does it need to influence? I don't know. I mean, I'm not I exactly just, expecting you to put, you know, 2,300, but... There was a lot of critics when this book that first came out that thought this book was pedestrian. They thought it was terrible. They thought a lot of the th- stuff in the book wasn't very good. There, It did win some awards, but there were a lot of book critics who hated this book. Interesting. But I can't, I can't ever say that something isn't a classic when somebody has come to me and said, this book changed my life. I, I can't, I, I can't necessarily necessarily say it. Okay. I'll rephrase. I can't necessarily say it's, it is a classic, but I can't say it's not when it right. affected somebody to the point where this book changed my life. Yeah. I mean, we've been throwing this idea around with the versus machine podcast and just personally, what makes something a classic? I mean, we have a few criteria, and the question is just, does the giver stand up to those? I mean, it's, you know, if someone's making a movie of it 21 years later, it obviously still has some importance. And in our live event with The Fault in Our Stars, we did ask the crowd how many people thought it was a classic. And we will continue to ask that question. Because it's a really important question to think about, especially when you talk about literature, and you talk about adaptations, and you talk about everything. People often say we only like to adapt things that are found to be classics. Well, if that's true... It's not necessarily true at all. Well, if that's true, then can we really say all the things we're adapting are classics? I mean... But we want to know what you think. Is the giver a classic? Is it not a classic? Will it ever be one? Can it ever be one? Head over to Facebook.com slash Versus Machine and let us know what you think. Lessons. The freedom of choice. We talked about this with choice, but we're only re-mentioning it because it's a very important lesson in the book. And it's a critical thinking lesson, and it's a really important one to take away. One that the movie gets, but doesn't get at the same time. Choice yeah, is it doesn't important. focus on that one as much. It spoon feeds a lot of the lessons, but it does this one a little differently. You only get like a little teaspoon of it instead of a whole tablespoon or something. 
And that is especially true when it comes to, you know, choice is really important. You should be able to choose what you wear, how you wear, what you feel. Things yeah. We like live that. in America. We like freedom. Yeah. And they live in a society where there is no freedom. Yeah. Yeah, you're and told so, what you do from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed every day, all the time. Until you're like nine, then you have a couple of free hours, but you're even told you have free time from this time to this time. You can do whatever you want, but that's your first like foray of freedom when you're like nine? Jeez. And in the book, this is made abundantly clear to us. Yeah. And it's made abundantly clear to us because it's important to the emotional development of Jonas. Mm -hmm. In the movie... It's not made abundantly clear to no, you. No, the only thing taken away from them is emotion. They yeah. haven't had and color choice taken away from them, right? But it's not abundantly clear to you that choice is being taken away in the movie. And right. the fact that it's not made abundantly clear to you makes the idea and the lesson of the entire book really duller. I guess I guess duller. I, w I was gonna say it seems less genuine, More but dull. it's, but it but duller works too. Is sameness good? This topic is really explored in the book because there are several times where Jonas says, "Well, we should be given the choice," and then the giver's like, "What if we did have the choice? What if we chose wrong? Like, what if we chose the wrong mate?" Well, you're and right. And Jonas Gip. is like, you're "Oh right, wow, giver. that would be." Yikes, that would really suck. I guess it is better this way, isn't it? Well, why don't we have hills? Because they were bad for transit. You know, it's harder to deliver your food this way. And same if we have seasons. You know, you can't grow food all the time. He's like, wow, that's a good point. Maybe we, should, maybe it is better this way. There's several conversations like that in the book where... There's one in the movie. Uh, is there, there, yeah. There's one. Right. So, I mean, in, in the book, we're it's giving a lot. It's when they're standing at the window, and he's yeah. looking over the clouds, and he says, I guess sameness is good, because if we didn't have sameness, you know, everybody would be in chaos, which the movie almost leads you to believe, because as soon as sameness stops with Jonas, <laughs> there is chaos. the 24 right. and 60 happens, and, <laughs> you know. It, the giver in 60. Yeah, it's it, it just all turns to chaos really quickly. Right. In the movie, the community, the sameness is really demonized. And that's really all that's ever shown you of it is that it's not a good thing. We have this because everyone's like kind of robotic and there's no color and there's no emotion. There's no anything. But we don't get the positive aspects that are really abundant in the book. The first half of the book before you get to Jonas actually becoming the receiver, you're like... This community is pretty nice. I think this is a book that you could read at several different points in your life. Like that uh, that girl we were talking to that read it in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what she felt about some of the rules in here. Because we read it as an adult and we see this. You have to apply for a mate. You have to apply to have a kid. You can only have two. Like we see those and we're like, those are a little weird. I don't know what a fourth grader would think of it. Because they might find most of the rules in the world to be just really arbitrary and random. And not make any sense. So they might think that that's fairly normal. Well, they might not think there's anything wrong with the community until they realize there's no color. Whereas well, we see that almost right away. Do you think sameness is good? There are definitely good things about it. As you were mentioning, these um, atrocities happening in Ferguson right now wouldn't happen in Jonas's world. But there's also a lot of other things that are missing. 
that's that is really the struggle with the book. Should we have sameness or should we not? There are many good things about it, but there's so much that's lost when we have sameness. So which should it be? And obviously in the end they decide against sameness, but what would you decide? I don't know. What would you decide? Head over to versusmachine.com and let us know. The value of love. Love is a really expanded upon idea in the movie, especially. Well, Ryan spends half of it talking about Jonas and Fiona. And this is not a bad thing that love is an expanded upon idea in either of them, except for the fact that love has an intrinsic value. Again, if we all subscribe to more love with each other, which sameness almost lends itself to complete love because... You don't really have it a doesn't? beef. You don't really have a beef with anybody. But can but... you actually care about them? No. I mean that that was brought up in this. Do you love me, mom? What do you mean, Jonas? Precision of language. You I know, enjoy that's... you, Jonas. <laughs> I take pride in your accomplishments. Why are you out after dark, Jonas? <laughs> it's against the rules. Right. I mean, we we get that. But... I enjoy you, Jonas. <laughs> don't be out after dark. <laughs> the fact of the matter is. The absence of love in both the movie and the book for the people of the community leaves this gaping hole. And the only reason that we want to talk about it is because people need love in their lives. If people spent more time loving each other and less time hating or worrying about sameness in general, if we stopped worrying about indifferent and hate and started worrying more about love... We'd be a lot better off in our society. So the answer really isn't less love. The answer is more love. We've spent a lot of time comparing different books to different movies, different video games to movies, musicals to movies, you know, books to musicals. We spend a lot of time talking about adaptations. And when you have an, an adaptation from one thing to another, the biggest thing you hope is that you get the idea right. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. For instance, with A Christmas Carol, it's really hard to not get the point of A Christmas Carol right, even when you adapt it. You can leave out a lot of things, and you can make a story that seems a lot less genuine, but you can't necessarily mess up the point of A Christmas Carol very easily. Whereas The Giver is a book that you can mess up the point of exponentially. Well, that's what I was worried about when you first suggested we even do this at all. You can't get the idea of the giver unless you give it the proper amount of introspection. And through our examination of the two, we've discovered that not only did they not give it the proper amount of introspection, they didn't even give the story the proper amount of respect. They added more drama, they changed all of the action sequences, And they just simply added so much more in there that didn't need to be in there that they didn't leave time for the most important parts of the book. And that's kind of where we stand with here. The only thing that the movie did better than the book was it was more artistic. For instance, there was no color in the movie until Jonas started seeing color. And then color began to flow back into the movie. And the fact that there was no color was extremely artistic, but at the same time, it didn't lend itself to helping the idea of the message at all. There just wasn't enough here for us to tell you that you can watch The Giver, the movie, 
and understand the point of the giver the book. And that happens a lot with adaptations. <laughs> yeah. But this is one that it's an, it, it's imperative that we let you know you can't watch this movie and not read the book. It doesn't work that way. And you should be especially weary of that because, as we said, somebody came up to us and said, this book changed my life. Whenever somebody says, this book changed my life, it's influential enough. You need to just read the book. Yeah. But that does it for us here at the Versus Machine Podcast. I'm Joseph Burge. I'm Richard Gibson. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Versus Machine Podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Be sure to like us on Facebook and share your thoughts on this and other episodes inside our online archive of programs that span a wide variety of genres. It's all about comparison, and we want to know what you think. The links to do all of this and show notes for this episode are available at versusmachinepodcast.com. That's versusmachinepodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and provide us with your thoughts and contrasting opinions to keep the gears of the Versus Machine running. Power down.